All right, church. Well, good to see everybody. If you didn't notice already, I was just over there. I'm doing double duty this morning. Um, it's, a, it's a pleasure to do it, though, um, to, to bring God's Word to you. And I thought, since I'm your worship pastor, why not go into the Psalms this morning with our time together? I promise I won't be in the Psalms every time I preach, but I think it's pretty fitting for, for where we are as a church, being that it's the first Sunday of summer that we jump into the Psalms, don't you think? Um, and so we want to just, uh, if you've got your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and, and, and turn there. I love the Psalms because they're easy to find. I'm a simple guy, and they're easy to read, easy to understand, and often they fit uh, where I'm at in life. They, they communicate deeply in that way. And so, so as, you, as you turn there, um, we're going to be going to Psalm chapter 23, okay? And that, that is where we are this morning. want to just uh, let you know, too, we're, we're, uh, we're just in prayer for the Conover family. They are enjoying a weekend down in Grand Rapids, visiting another church, getting some great ideas for us in, in just uh, reaching this city with the gospel. And so we want to just uh, um, wish them uh, a great time away. It's, it's uh, sometimes refreshing to be able to go and listen to another pastor and uh, so it's my privilege to fill the pulpit uh, this morning. But as you're, as you're in the Psalms this morning, why don't we, um, why don't we just get into it uh, by, first of all, I want us to just uh, understand this book before we go into this chapter, all right? And that, that's where I want to start with you this morning. I've got a couple notes that aren't in your bulletin uh, because I have one main line that I want to drive home this morning. I want to keep that as the main thing. But uh, we're going we're gonna to begin by just... Uh, just talking about the Psalms, and, and the first thing I want to tell you about this book of Psalms is that, is that it is instructive about God, about man, and about life, okay? And that, that's the first thing I want you to know before we jump into this chapter of Psalm chapter 23, is that when we read this Psalm, we're going to learn about who our God is. Uh, psalm chapter 1, verse 2, says, says this, that his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And so, so I, I don't know if you're disappointed in seeing me up here instead of Pastor Brian, but it doesn't really matter because we're here to hear the word of God, aren't we? Okay? And, and I hope our church is one that delights in the law of the Lord. That is why we're here this morning. So if you're ready to hear the word of God, I want you to just say, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. All right. Well, we are going to get to it. Okay. The second thing I want you to know about the Psalms is this, that the Psalms are actually songs or poems. Okay. Um, I don't know if you realize that or not, but if you're like me, you love music and I'm pretty eclectic in my musical tastes. Obviously I, I do worship music for a living and that's, that's what I love to do. That's my first love, but uh, I love all types of music. Okay. And so Throughout the week in my truck, doing, you know, we've been doing a bunch of yard work. You'll, you'll see me with my headphones on, listening to everything from gospel to blues to hip-hop to, to uh, heavy metal screamo, okay? And <laughs> that's just, I, I can find musical value in pretty much in re, any genre of music, okay? And if you're, if you're a musician, you'll understand that, okay? Music is a language, and that, that's what these psalms are, okay? If you, if you read through some of these psalms, you're going to see those different genres come out, okay? Sometimes the psalms are singing the blues. Sometimes the psalms are, are angry. They're hateful, okay? That, that'd be kind of like that heavy metal screamo thing that I'm talking about, okay? I hate my life, you know, that kind of thing, okay? Sometimes you see that in the psalms, you do, okay? 
Um, still other times they're, they're reflective. They're lyrically thoughtful. And other times they're, they're worshipful, praising God. And so all that to say is that when we listen to music, when we sing music, basically music has been given to us as a gift from God to express deep truths that are sometimes even deep for us just to express in words. We need music to express them. And so that, that's what the Psalms are. The Psalms are the Bible's songbook. And that, that's why as a church, we love to sing through uh, s- lyrics that come from the Psalms themselves, okay? So, um, the Psalms are instructed about God, man, and life. The, the, the Psalms are songs or poems. And third, this is probably the most important thing, is that the Psalms are inspired by God. They're not just, they're not just a, a book of, of songs written by a, a guy named David or Asaph or some other, some other guy that liked to write songs for the Lord. No, actually, the Psalms are inspired by God. They are not only the words of men, they were given to them by God himself. And you know, it's interesting, as you read through the New Testament, the book that Jesus quoted the most was actually the book of Psalms. You'll see it 11 times. Jesus actually quoted the book of Psalms and called it Scripture. Okay, so how much more should we spend our time in, in the book of Psalms? I, I make it a regular part of my devotional life, and I, and I hope you do too. Okay, so the Psalms are inspired by God. Now, you may be thinking as I introduce to where we're going this morning, oh man, I've heard this. We've been there before. I've heard it at every funeral, every wedding maybe that I've been to. I know Psalm 23. If you're like me, I memorized Psalm 23 when I was just tiny, okay? And so I know Psalm 23. You may be saying, I know Psalm 23, okay? But let, let's just, I want to just give you a caution before we get to the text. The caution is this. Have you ever heard the phrase, familiarity breeds contempt? It's true. It is so true. When we are, when we, we repeat things over and over again, we think we understand them, but really we're as unfamiliar with what they mean than the guy has never even heard them before. Um, it's, it's very easy to fall into that slump. And so as we read through Psalm 23 this morning, my hope is that we can, as a church, hear it with, with fresh ears, like we've never heard it before. And then what my job is, is just this. I want to expose the text to you. I want to help convey what it means so that we can take it home and apply it into our lives, okay? Can you do that with me? If you can't, say yes. <laughs> All right. Let's go to Psalm chapter 23. Let's read it together. I do have it on the screen, but I, I prefer that you keep your Bibles open or your bulletin in front of you so you guys, guys can, can read it. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why don't we pray and ask God to bless our time in his word. God, I thank you that we can spend our time here Lord, in your inspired word. And I just thank you, God, that that as we study it, Lord, you are going to just open it up to us by your spirit and teach us and show us who you are through it. 
I thank you, God, that we have this freedom here as a church to do this together. God, I just pray that we would grow in our love for meditating on, on, on your law, on your word. I pray that we would do that day and night. And God, that we would be people that, that just love you more because of it. We pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, if you have your bulletin in front of you, the one main point, I like to sum up my teaching with one main point because I think that sometimes it's hard when you leave church. If you're like me, I'm pretty forgetful. I just forget everything that was said. Okay, so one main point that I want you to remember as we go from this place, and I'm going to be bringing it back through this psalm. I think we get it from here. It's, it's this. It's that the good shepherd leads us through prosperity and pain for his good purpose. The good shepherd leads us through prosperity and pain for his good purpose. Let's start at the beginning of this psalm. Obviously, um, we know that this is a psalm of David, and he begins by saying this, the Lord is my shepherd. Right away, you need to, you need to understand that this was something that the writer was intimately familiar with. If you don't know who David is, he was actually known uh, historically as one of the, one of the kings of Israel. He, he was probably the most well-loved king. He, he was also, in, in his early years, if you've heard the story of David and Goliath, um, that was that David as well, okay? He grew up as a young boy um, out in his fa- father's fields taking care of his father's sheep. He was, he was the youngest in the family, and, uh, and, and that meant that he had to take care of the sheep. That was his job. And, and during that time, actually, shepherding was something that, that was really looked down on, honestly. Shepherds did not have a great reputation. They were, they were transient. They were unkept. They uh, had, had foul language, bad tempers, okay? And, and I don't know if that was part of what David grew up around, but, but from some of his actions later on in life, you, you'll see that coming out. He was just a guy just like you and I. But he, he, he was used by God to do something early in life, and maybe preparing him for, for his future as a king. He was a shepherd. He took care of sheep, okay? And what he's saying right off the bat, we need to know he's familiar with. He knows what he's talking about. Just like if you talked about the fields in, in, uh, in, in Traverse City, if you were a farmer, you knew what you were talking about. My, my relatives are farmers, and it's been a wet, wet spring, hasn't it been, Okay. And, and they only got half their crop planted, okay? That, that's just, if you're in that profession, you get it. You understand. He's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. All those days spent out late at night in his father's fields reminded him of the way that the Lord treated him. So what he's saying is personal. You'll notice the word my. He doesn't use the word our or they, okay? He uses words like me, my, I, you, okay? So what what he's saying is that the relationship he has with the Lord is like the relationship that he has with his sheep. He guides, he protects, he watches out for them, he feeds them, okay? The point is, David is saying, everything that the Lord does, just like I did on purpose for my sheep, the Lord does on purpose for me to care for me, I serve a good shepherd. Okay, let's, let's talk about the shepherd, though. He says, says this, the Lord is my shepherd. First thing he says is, I shall not want. I shall not want. That's a statement. That's a huge statement. And I don't know if any of us 
could, could say that ourselves. We should be able to say that ourselves. That, that's the embodiment of what it means to trust in our God is I shall not want. My God is everything to me. That's kind of the overarching statement that covers the rest of them to come. I shall not want. He's talking about God's provision. He's not saying that he gets everything that he thinks he needs or everything that he even wants. No, he's saying that God, my God, is all-sufficient for me. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. I trust in him to lead me. I shall not want. So he's talking about provision. In verse 2, he goes on, he says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's rest. He leads me beside still waters. That's refreshment. He restores my soul. That is restoration. Things that I think we all long for. You'll notice he, he uses these illustrations that have to do with, with nature, okay? Um, green pastures, still waters. That was, as a shepherd, his job. He had to find that for his sheep. That's why shepherds were often very transient. When there was famines in, in a land, they would have to go with their sheep to another part of, part of the land that they could find green pastures, still waters, okay? If they couldn't find actually still waters, I've learned from, from shepherds that, that actually sheep won't drink if the water is moving too fast. It's got to be calm. That's the point behind it. Leads me to still waters. And so, so the, this imagery is, is carried on to the relationship that he has with his God. God gives me rest. God gives me refreshment. God restores my soul. My Lord does that for me. He is my good shepherd. And I, I think we can identify with these scenes of nature that he brings up, can't we? I, I think even especially living here in Traverse City, it's a place where actually people vacation to get away into nature, right? They do. I, I mean, that, that's honestly part of why we wanted to move here was because it's so beautiful in the summertime, at least, <laughs> right? We're getting there. We're getting there, okay? Come on. <laughs> but oftentimes, I, I feel like the times where I have been refreshed and restored and rejuvenated and found rest has when I've been able to get away into nature, get on top of a mountain, get, get out in the lake, get, get you know, out, out beside some water, and, and spend time with the Lord, that is when I find refreshment. I think you guys do too. You identify with that. And so this resonates. So he restores my soul. Keep on going. Verse 3b. He, he leads me in paths of righteousness. That's right direction for his name's sake. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so I, I would say that as, as we've had this statement, the good shepherd leads us through prosperity that beginning part of this chapter is, is God prospering him. He's giving him rest, refreshment, restoration. God giving him ways that are comforting and secure. The good shepherd is leading him through prosperity. Why does he prosper, though? That's important. Why does he prosper? Is it about you? Is it about me? Is it because I've been so good that God has prospered me? No. No, it's not about you. He says, for his name's sake. Wow, doesn't that shake you up? Sometimes we think that we've been blessed because we've been so moral, so good, that we've, we've been at church so many times this year. We've served in kids' ministry. We're, we've volunteered for VBS, and God has prospered us because we've followed his call and obeyed him. No, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about him. For his name's 
sake. Everything is about God's glory. That is his purpose, for him to be glorified. Everything that God does is motivated by that, by his own glory, his own ultimate joy. Think about what Romans eleven thirty six 36 says. It says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. Okay? That's pretty holistic. From him, through him, to him. And David recognized that. God has prospered me, not because of who I am, not because of the nice songs that I've wrote for, written for him. <laughs> no, it's for his own glory, for his name's sake. The good shepherd leads us through prosperity and pain for his purposes, his good purposes. Keep on going. We're going to see a shift here in verse 4, and this is an important shift. There are three sections in this psalm, okay? We've gone through the first one. We're moving into the second one. Verse 4, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, the first thing I want you to notice is that there's a shift in the way that David speaks about God. He moves from this impersonal pronoun, he, to this more personal, intimate pronoun, you. He moves from talking about God to talking to God. You see that there? Isn't that amazing? I've never seen that. When, when I memorized that psalm, I never saw that before until I actually sat down and started studying it. God, he, David is talking to God, okay? And you'll notice, and here, here's why I think this happens. In times of prosperity, isn't it easier to talk about God more than it is to talk to God? It is. It is. Okay, when things are going well, we have all we need. When the kids are healthy, that's nice. When, when there's money in the bank, okay, when there's a steady income, when we're safe and secure. If, if we're pictured like sheep in Scripture, it's kind of like us. We kind of wander farther and farther away from the shepherd, and it's easy, easy and okay for us to feel like we're, we're all safe and secure and self-sufficient. It's easier for us to talk about how God has prospered us rather than talk to our God, okay? But when we're brought to that dark valley, when we're diagnosed with an incurable disease, maybe this is us right now, when fire destroys our home, when there's more bills than we have money for at the end of the month, when there's conflict in our family, we tend to talk more to God than we tend to talk about God. There's intimacy that happens with our shepherd. And David experience that firsthand. If you study the, the, the story of David, man, it covers a few books in, in the Old Testament. Man, you'll see that he went through it. He did. It was crazy. He, he, I mean, he, he, was, he was a fugitive for, for many years of his life, and I'm sure during those years, he spent a lot of time talking to God that that was probably one of, one of the valleys that he went through that he knew that God led him through. So the question I, I think arises at this point is this. Why? Why are the sheep going through the dark valley? Why are they going through such a place? Is it because of sin? Did they wander off or straying away from their shepherd? I, I don't believe so. I think what you see in this text is you see that the sheep are walking alongside the shepherd through the valley. They're the reason why the sheep were walking through the valley is because the shepherd led them 
there. That's so important to understand. I want you to see the connection between verses 3 and 4. That the pathway through the valley is one of the pathways of righteousness that God leads us through. Read verse 3. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Wow. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Why would the good shepherd lead the sheep through a valley filled with danger and threats? The only possible answer that makes sense to us is this, to get to a better place. Why would the shepherd risk the lives of his sheep, risk, risk the mudslides, risk the robbers, risk the, the wild animals to go through the dark valley to get to a better place? I read this. Uh, this was a man named Philip Keller. He's an Australian shepherd. He's obviously familiar with this whole thing. I've never shepherded a sheep in my life, okay? We have sheep. Our neighbors have sheep. It's pretty cool. But uh, this man wrote about, about, about shepherding sheep. He said this, The shepherd knows from past experience that predators like coyotes, bears, wolves, or cougars can take cover in the broken cliffs and from their vantage point prey on his flock. He knows that these valleys can be subject to sudden storms and flash floods that send walls of water rampaging down the slopes. There could be rock slides, mud, or a dozen other natural disasters that would destroy or injure his sheep. But in spite of such hazards, he also knows that this is still the best way to take his flock to the high country. He spares no pain or trouble or time to keep an eye out for any danger that might develop. Ever thought about it in that way? When you think about your life, the valley that, that you're going through, maybe I described it in some of the examples that I gave. I probably, probably missed it, though. You, you fill in your valley right now. Do you have faith to believe that this valley that you're walking through right now is one of those pathways of righteousness that God has been walking with you through? Do you have faith to believe that the darkness, discomfort, despair, the disaster, the discouragement in your life today is there for God's purpose. Now, he's leading you through a valley, and right now it may not be apparent the purpose for it, but rest assured, Romans 8, 28, God is working all things for good, isn't he? He's taking you to the high country. I believe that is what God is doing. Every valley is a pathway to something better. I'm convinced that the crises of life draw us closer to God than the green pastures. And so we're in, when, when we're in those valleys, stick close to your shepherd. Talk to your shepherd. He is doing something greater and better than what you could ever think or imagine. That's the valley. The valley isn't good. Guess what? The shepherd, the shepherd is good. He knows the way. So the good shepherd leads us through prosperity and pain for his good purpose. How should we respond? How did David respond to the valley? Let's, let's learn from him. Three responses. If you want to write them down, you can. But again, I'm trying to just send you out with one point, one main point. Okay, so this is, this is just extra. Okay, three responses I believe that I see David giving to the valleys. First one is this. He stayed in God's presence. Read verse 4. Verse 4, it says, I will fear no evil, for you 
are with me. He's speaking of God's nearness. He's speaking of God's presence. When you step into your valley and it's dark that you can't see the path ahead, your shepherd has something he wants you to hear, and it's this. I will be with you. You are with me. Not a great thing to remember. <laughs> this is funny because my daughter thinks I'm afraid of the dark. Okay? <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's Addie. She keeps telling me, Dad, you don't have to be scared. Jesus is with you. It just sounds so simple, right? But yeah, he is. Okay? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but that's what our good shepherd wants us to hear is I will be with you. I'm with you. Okay? Don't turn to drugs. As adults, that's something that we, we sometimes have turned to. Don't turn to drinking. Don't turn to any other substitute that you think can help you get through this valley. All you need is your shepherd. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Second thing is this. I believe David saw God's power. God's power. He said, your rod. Now, the shepherd's rod is a, a two-foot club that the shepherd carried with him. And it was, it was cut out from, from a tree branch that had a knot in it, so it had like a club at the end that, that they, they uh, pounded bits of metal in, okay? And so it was, it was pretty dangerous, okay? It could, it could do some damage. And, and that's what David was saying, is like, like I carried this rod to, to ward off the wild animals that would try and, try and take out my sheep. I know that God has a rod too, that he is all-powerful, Okay? Your rod, okay, <laughs> the power, power that you have against my enemies, and your staff, okay, it's a comfort to me, okay? So he saw, God's, he saw God's power, rest in God's power. He is all-powerful over your situation. Third, I believe he experienced God's leading. So he stayed in God's presence, he saw God's power, and then third, he experienced God's leading. He says, and your staff, they comfort me. What is the staff? You may have seen this in a Christmas pageant every single Christmas, you know, when the kids walk down, the shepherds, okay? The staff is actually known technically as a shepherd's crook. It's that long piece of, piece of wood, but it has that curve at the end. And what the shepherd would do with it is he would use it not to hurt his sheep, but he would use it to guide his sheep. And so he'd stick it out, and if a sheep was getting off the path, He'd kind of tap it on the side, you know, hey, get back on the path, you know. He's saying, he's saying this is what God does to me. That, that curved thing at the end, whenever a sheep would fall into a hole or, you know, it need to be rescued or something, that, that, that curve was used to just pull the sheep out from where, where it was going or hold the sheep back from danger. He's saying, my God guides me just like I guided my sheep. Your staff, it's a comfort to me. He believed that, that both the rod and the staff were used for his good. Believed that even though he was going through the valley, that he could trust God's power and God's leading, that God was going to bring him safely to the other side. I believe that is what David was, was saying, that the good shepherd was leading him through prosperity and pain for his good purpose. Let's move on to verse 5. Here's the next section, the third section of this psalm. Here we move from, from the imagery of the Lord as a shepherd to then the Lord as a host. He says this in verse, verse 5, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup 
overflows. So here, here's, here's this imagery of a warrior coming successfully from battle, um, take, taking out his, his enemies. There's prisoners of war sitting at his, feast, at his feet, and there's a feast laid out for him. There, there's abundance, there's joy, there's security. He's saying, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. There's abundance, there's joy, security. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want you to just meditate on those last few words, specifically that word, follow me, follow me. Other ways that it could be translated would be, be my companion, pursue me, stay close to me, walk beside me. See, the fact is, is that God is always pursuing us. I don't know where you're at when it comes to your relationship with God, but what I I want to tell you is this, that God is always pursuing you. His will is, is that no one, no one go to hell but that everyone come to repentance. That's the will of our God. And so he's always chasing us. Even though we may stray away from him, he's always calling us back to him. The good shepherd leads us through prosperity and pain for his good purpose. As we close, I want to just ask this question. Who is the good shepherd? Maybe we've kind of said it. You know, maybe we've kind of gotten there, but maybe we haven't. I don't know. You know that Jesus himself calls calls himself the good shepherd? He did. He did. John 10, verse 11. I want to read it for you. Jesus said this, John 10, verse 11. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. That is our good shepherd. And, and you know, I don't know if you've understood everything that I've, I've talked about this morning, but if you don't understand who your good shepherd is, you'll have lost everything. It doesn't matter, okay, if you don't know who your good shepherd is. Because the good shepherd is not just a force. It's not kind of, kind of, you know, some spiritual being. No, our good shepherd has a name, and that name is Jesus. And that, that's what we need to remember is that he he, he walked through the valley for us. He walked through the valley of the shadow of death by going to the cross. It says in Scripture that the, the wages of sin is death, that all of us have sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. What we deserve for our sin is death. In Jesus Christ, what he did is, praise God, he went to the cross. He died for us. He walked through the valley of the shadow of death on our behalf and so that by believing in him, we can have life in his name. Have you put your trust in the good shepherd? Because if you haven't, you don't have hope today. You may be going through a valley right now, and, and you're going to deal with it alone because you don't have a shepherd that's walking beside you. If you've trusted in him, we know that all things work together for good, for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. So my call to you today is put your faith in the good shepherd. His name is Jesus. Romans 5 verse 8 says this, but God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Don't think that you need to get your life on track before you put your faith in God. No, he, he's there like that good shepherd with, with that rod and with that staff. Hey, I'll take care of you. 
I'll get your life back in order. Trust me. Trust in me. It says in Scripture, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so if you're here today and you don't know your good shepherd, as we close today, I want to just lead us in a prayer to maybe, maybe if, it's, if it's you that's been far away from the Lord that wants to come back and return, return back into God's family, or maybe if you've never even heard it before, that you can pray and ask Jesus, would you be my shepherd today? Why don't we close ourselves in a word of prayer? Lord, we're just so thankful that, Lord, we, we don't have a nameless, faceless shepherd. Lord, that these aren't just nice ideas or a nice song that we've just gone through. But, Lord, that you are our good shepherd and that you've walked ahead of us. You defeated death on our behalf. Lord, I just pray to today that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, that, Lord, they would reach out to you in faith to say, Lord Jesus, I want you to be my shepherd. I want you to save me. Lord, I repent of my sin, and I trust that you went to the cross to pay for it. I want to follow you. I want to be a part of your fold. Lord, would you lead me? Would you guide me? Would you save me? I want to go to that high country where you are. I want to be with you. I want to have hope and assurance. God, through the valley times that you're leading to somewhere better, somewhere higher. Lord, thank you that you are that to us. God, I just pray for those that are reaching out to you. Lord, in whatever valley times they're going through right now, Lord, I pray that, that uh, we would trust you. Trust that you're all sufficient. Trust that we are secure in your hands. And Lord, we don't have to fear. We don't have to fret. But God, that you are with us. Thank you, Lord, for your word this morning that's taught us so much. And as we close the service off, we want to just give you thanks for the work that you're going to continue to do in reminding us that you, our good shepherd, are leading us through prosperity and pain for your good purpose. We love you, Lord. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus.